We're going to read through Psalm 32 together as we prepare our hearts to share in this holy sacrament. So if you have your Bibles or you can take your pew Bible or if you're at home uh, on your tablet or phone or your Bible, let's share together in this reading. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. We're going to race through this passage today so that we can share together in this sacrament. But I want to let you know that over these weeks of Lent, we'll be talking about the joy that we can have even in our journey to the cross, that there is to be a joy in the journey for the believer. Now, you might push back a little bit as a friend of mine pushed back on me when I talked about that sermon focus. We're coming out of a pandemic. Are we filled with joy over these last two years? We're, 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 we're in a, a season of denominational crisis. Are you filled by joy over that? Many of us this week, whether it's our students cramming for their tests before spring break or trying to get ready for vacation, are going to have all kinds of stress. How much joy is going to be in, in those moments? Many of us struggling and hearts are breaking over not just what's happening in Ukraine, but what's flooding out of Ukraine. One to 1.5 million refugees now. It's a hard season. And now we go to Lent. Lent, and, and starting with Ash Wednesday, which has always been a surprise to me, that that service, we were full with that service this past Wednesday. It's, it's, it's maybe in the sense that we want to be marked by God and show our allegiance to God. That, that ultimately happens in our baptism but, but, but also to come to a service where the heart of it is actually, I'm facing my mortality and, and I'm facing the fact that I'm a sinner and I need to make my confession before the Lord. How is it you and I have joy in times of real struggle? We, we kid with each other, what are you giving up for Lent? But over these last years and all that we're in the midst of, you might say, just be glad I'm not giving up. This Lent. Struggles in parenting, struggles at home, struggles at work, maybe caring for parents, caring for a grandparent, maybe struggling with loss. This past Ash Wednesday, a friend of mine, a young adult who serves in a Methodist church in our, in our annual conference, helped his wife get down 
to the altar rail for, for Ash Wednesday. She's in a wheelchair now, facing an illness they're not sure about, but that has just taken the life out of her and probably will take the life out of her soon. And he was the one who marked her with the cross to look his own wife in the eye and say, dust, you've come from dust and you'll return to dust. For many of us, this can be a difficult and hard season where we are and yet what we find in scripture after scripture is the Lord saying, in those moments you can know my joy in the sweetest of ways. We'll talk more about that uh, next week as we, uh, in a couple of weeks as we reintroduce this series. But I love what Francis of Assisi said, the devil never rejoices more than when he robs a servant of God of his peace of heart. God wants to gift us his joy. And so we'll be looking at different reminders of that over these weeks together. But today we simply celebrate that we have this reminder before us in our scripture, but also here that we'll get to celebrate. And it's this reminder of we can hold on to our joy and hold on to God because all is forgiven in Christ Jesus. Look at what he says to us here. Five quick things. If you're note takers, they're always going to start with C. But we're going to look at forgiveness because, listen, we need forgiveness. This past Wednesday, one of our children looked up at one of their parents after the imposition of the ashes and said, you know, you're going to be dust long before I'll be dust. (laughs) That child needs forgiveness. Don't you? I know I do. I know I do. And so David reminds us of five things very quickly. First, just looking at verse 1, this this thing that ought to gift us with the joy of God, that our sins are covered. Our sins are covered because of God. From the very first pages of Scripture, Adam and Eve scrambled to cover their guilt and their shame. Yet here we're reminded in this Scripture that it's just like God to come looking for them and come looking for us. He covered them in skins and he'll cover us in our shame. You look at verse 7 as well. We try to hide and not be real with God We try to hide what we've done, and yet why don't we run to Jesus who is, as verse 7 says, he's our hiding place. He'll hide that shame. He'll cover that shame. A deep understanding of that word atonement, which is what we get in Christ Jesus on the cross, is that we're covered. Oh, we ought to have the joy of God that our sins are covered. And not only are they covered, but going down to verse 2, we're reminded that God doesn't even count. Come on. You count, don't you? I do. Somebody injures me, I'm tempted to count it. As I'm, as I'm with you or with others out and about, I'm thinking about all that they're thinking. Sadly, we can do this with peer pressure, thinking what they're thinking about me, but we all know what are they really thinking about. They're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about you, but I'm wondering what they're counting against me. We're, 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 there is... As, as the scriptures, I'm going to read King James for us. It is right that every act, every thought, every heart desire, and every word is accounted before God. Matthew 12, 36 says, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So God notices and knows when we fall short of the glory of God. But what's promised here and promised to us under the blood of Christ that we've so wonderfully celebrated in our music today, 
that there is forgiveness and not only is it covered, it's not even, it's not even counted anymore. God who knows all things, as far as east is from the west, into that sea or place of forgetfulness, God doesn't count. God doesn't even count our iniquity against us. It ought to give us great joy. Even in, even in the struggles of this day, may we have that joy, knowing our sins are covered, they're not counted, and then quickly, what's, what's our response to that good news to be? Verse 5, we all carry stuff. We all have secrets, and we all have sinned. But what are you going to do with that? David says here, it's killing me. Holding on to that and not taking it to God, verse 3, is killing me. But some of us are there because of our guilt or shame or busyness and not sensing our own need for confession. The reminder here is he wants to cover you with his forgiveness, but he can't do that until you uncover yourself before him and say, here's what's really going on. And when we come with a broken and contrite heart, as David prayed in Psalm 51, he won't turn that away. This morning, before we share in this sacrament, we'll have a time of confession. What do you need to be real with the Lord about? And say, Lord, here it is. Would you, would you even forgive that? And what David found was, yes, he will cover and he will not count it against you, which ought to lead to point four, is celebration. You see how this ends in verse 11. He not only says, now we're Methodists, we're not going to shout, but it says rejoice, <laughs> be glad, because you've not been counted your sins, you've, because you have been covered, because you have, you have gone before God and said, this is my life, would you forgive it? You've made your confession that there ought to be real celebration. I love that one of the great names for Holy Communion is Eucharist which means the great thanksgiving. That we come to this table rightly before God with our hearts broken for what we have done, what we have thought, what we have said, but also with the deep joy that in Christ there is forgiveness. And this ought to be a place, maybe that's part of your pausing this morning, of just the joy of thanksgiving, a deep gratitude for what's been gifted to you. Last thing. Verses 11, yes, there, there is now an upright heart in the believer because of what God's done through his forgiving grace. But going back to verse 8, instruction, teaching, guiding, there's a reminder here. If you and I want to hold on to, the, to our joy, there always has to be life change. I heard somebody, I wish I could remember who it was, that said that joy is the byproduct of an obedient life. As you and I pursue God with our lives and with our thought life and with our words, with our attitudes, and we, we, we match our life to his life and his law and his calling upon our life, that's, that's when joy can get produced because I know I'm in the center of his will. If there is no life change, then the joy of God will not come. Happiness comes with happenings. You all know that. I'm not talking about a feeling or I'm not talking about an experience, but what we see here in this scripture is this reminder to us. Uh, in David's life, where he was, but also of us, of the one who has come from the house of David, Christ Jesus, that you and I, through the gift that was given to us on his cross, you and I can know not only that our, 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 our sins are 
covered, but they're not even counted anymore. Oh, the freedom of that, that our shame has been taken, that Christ is our hiding place. May there be real celebration at this table today. May there be life-change commitments because of that great gift. Before we receive that, let's make our confession before the Lord. Because Christ invites to his table all who love him and who earnestly repent of their sin and who seek to live at peace with one another. So let us pray before the Lord and make our confession. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. And so, Father, in the silence of this moment, we confess before you. We are, we are not scrambling to hide. We confess before you our sin, knowing that you are a God who is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin, who will receive a broken and contrite heart. Father, would you hear our confession now? Father, we pray as David that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation because of your great grace to us in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we celebrate our forgiveness. It's in his name we pray. Amen.